Before we get started, I need to thank some Patreon patrons. Thank you, Carrie Walker, Annie Ludke, and Elizabeth Power, who put their money where their ears are and should probably stop that because who knows where that money's been. Seriously, take the money out of your ears. Elizabeth, Carrie, Annie. Want to get thanked in a weird way on this podcast? Just go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and support the original cast. Every tier of patronage comes with access to our patrons only bonus podcast, the original cast at the movies. This month's episode features Caroline Dubberly and Carrie Ginsburg talking about that seminal theater classic waiting for Guffman. Listen and you too will have to feed Joshy half time because you'll be busting patreon.com slash originalcastpod. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is the editor and publisher of DC Metro Theater Arts. It's Nicole Hertvig, everybody. Hello. Hey, Nicole. Hi. How are you? I am awesome. Good. And you're here to talk about... Bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. One, two, three, four! Populism, yeah, yeah! Populism, yeah, yeah! Populism, yeah, yeah! How did Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson come into your life? So I go, let, let's go back to high school for a second. Sure. All right, in high school, I think I was the only person in Ohio who was in the show choir and, you know, singing on in all the Christmas pageants on stage and all that, but also in um, the sort of punk rock alternative crowd. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I Those were I, not, those weren't Venn Diagram? You were the Venn Diagram? I was the were? one intersection, oh, okay. yes. Right. And my punk rock skateboard boyfriend, you know, tolerated me up on stage <laughs> at all in the show choir. He was a good guy. Um, also, I have a dad who's a historian and a mom who is obsessed with musicals. So I grew up so on musicals then. and then I hit high school and I got into the like, punk rock alternative scene. Sure. So I love any musical that tries to straddle that and they are often not done well Mm -hmm. rock musicals some are good a lot are not good so bloody bloody andrew jackson is an emo rock musical about andrew jackson the seventh (laughs) president of the united states so when i heard that i was like that is the coolest idea ever um and i listened to it and it it stands up Okay. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. So, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson made it to Broadway it in did. 2010. I always forget that. Yeah. It only lasted four months. Right. Which I think is sad. An interesting thing is that it was on Broadway the same year as American Idiot, yes. which is another sort of alternative rock-based musical. Mm. Um, if you compare the two, American Idiot lasted a year on Broadway, so right. it had much more of a successful commercial run. Um, 
American Idiot is a little bit more um, twi- tweaked to meet Broadway uh, sensibilities. The orchestrations yes, are a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like if you listen to Green Day doing doing the album. The album. Yeah. It's it's harder. Right. Right? Absolutely. Um, the Broadway version's a little bit more, we are on Broadway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, bloody, bloody <laughs> Andrew Jackson, not. No, not, not at, at all. all. It is not raw. Yeah. It is hardcore. It is in your face. Yes. Ben Brantley, in his um, review in the New York Times, said it is the um, crudest and the most sophisticated. I think those weren't exactly the words he used, but something like that. The smartest and also the rawest mm-hmm. show on Broadway. And that's what I really like about it. It really is raw. It really is in your face. Uh, but it also has a very sophisticated message that asks the audience to think a lot. Yeah. And I really like that, too. Okay. Well, good answer. This yeah. is what happens when writers are on the show. <laughs> um, well, look, let's stick with that then. And could you uh, do me a favor? And briefly, because it doesn't really have, I mean, it has a story, but it's mm-hmm. not. that's not the point. Yeah. Could you briefly summarize the plot and also kind of the mood, I think, though, sure. of Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson? So, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson is the cast recording is only 13 songs. Yes, it's 28 20, minutes. Yeah, 28 minutes of music. It, it is so short, which I say makes it the best cast album to exercise to. <laughs> you get on the treadmill, you will burn a million calories. But yeah, it's 28 minutes, it's 13 songs. So, a lot of the story is not on the cast recording, it's in the book. And Alex Timbers, the book writer, got a Tony nomination for the book, which suggests right. that it's really good. That it's really good. And that yes. there's a lot of story that we're not getting from these 13 songs. So that can make it kind of frustrating. I think the first few years that I listened to this, I didn't really know. I was like, well, it's Andrew Jackson and he's really pissed off. Okay, that much comes through. Um, but but basically, the story is Andrew Jackson was the seventh president. It was the early 19th century. Um, He lived in Tennessee. He was sort of a backwoodsman uh, at a time when the first six presidents of the United States were all the elite people who had fought in the revolution, you know, been involved in all of that that we know from Hamilton. Right. Uh, And then he came in and he was this absolute outsider to, to the people on the East Coast. They were just like, what on earth? No way. You know, no way is this guy going to be the president. Um, but he does. He makes it. The The show takes us through kind of his hero journey. You know, he's the reluctant hero who says, you know, oh, all this change needs to happen, but I'm not the guy to do it. And then he decides, OK, yes, I am that guy. And he goes on and he becomes the president. Um, Andrew Jackson is an extremely controversial figure. Even in his day, he was crass and loudmouth, and he swore so much that his parrot in the White House had to be removed because the parrot kept swearing in front of people. Um, so they kicked him <laughs> out of the White House. Um, but basically, the the message that the two creators of the show wanted to get across, which it was um, Michael Friedman, who did the songs and the lyrics, right. and Alex Timbers, who did the book and directed it. They were sort of a... I think of them as like a power duo. Mm -hmm. They were just, you know, amazing what they created together. Um, They wanted to get across the message that Andrew Jackson was able to become the president. Um, It was an era of populism, as is the first song of the show is populism. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, And basically what populism is, is any movement, which we are actually right now in a populist movement where uh, a majority of the people think that... Uh, the country is being ruled by elitists 
or that something is being ruled by elitists and they don't like it and they want to change it and they want to get the power back. Right. And this happens all through history. It happens in lots of different countries. You know, Ava Perone was a populist leader. Um, when Alex Timbers and Michael Friedman were writing this, um, they started writing in about 2006. And there were a lot of things going on at that time that led up to, you know, what we're experiencing right now right. with the Donald Trump presidency. Um, but back then you had um, the Occupy Wall Street movement, which you know, the, on the left, they were saying, you know, the 99% versus the 1%. Um, on the right, you had the Tea Party movement. So, you know, they were picking up on all of this, and it was reminding them of Andrew Jackson. Mm -hmm. Am I going off on a super not long at all. tangent? No, okay. not at all. <laughs> um, so, you know, back to Andrew Jackson. Um, if you take the first song of the show, Populism, Yeah, Yeah, it's basically the people coming on the stage talking about how we're going to get our country back. You know, we're going to get the country back from who? You know, exactly. Right. <laughs> There's even one line where we're going to get the country back from the Indians. Right. Like, what? That doesn't have... Which ends with a great line... The, I'm pretty sure it was our land anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. They're not sure. But right. there's this sort of cult mentality. Um, and, and what I think the creators of this show wanted people to think about is um, how do we get the leaders that we get? And how mm -hmm. are we partially responsible for putting them there? Right. right. Um, you know, we may like what they do. We may not like what we do. But once they're there, you know, you got to live with what they do. Um, and in Andrew Jackson's case, uh, he was very, very popular with uh, a lot of the people on the frontier mm -hmm. because it was very much sort of an us versus them mentality of the East Coast elites and then the um, people on the frontier. Right. And there are so many parallels you can see with today. I mean, I don't want to get super political, but you can, you know, th th there's still in our politics, there's, you know, people who are supposed to be the president, you know, right. which basically white men. And then there's people who are, you know, you wouldn't traditionally think of and a lot of mm -hmm. people have a huge problem right. you know um like you know women or you know immigrants recent immigrants mm -hmm. it would be very um you know a lot of people would have a hard time with that and we have seen that a lot of people have yeah, had a hard time with that and that is you know the history of our recent elections mm -hmm. and um back then that is what andrew jackson was he was just like people's minds exploded you know right. on the east coast thinking that he could become the president so the musical takes us through how he does that. Mm -hmm. And it does it in like the super cool emo form. Right. Where, uh, you know, you're not back in time. You are, I, I don't even know when it's It's supposed. very amorphous. I mean, well, it's yeah. clearly set in. So, I mean, it, it's impossible. I'm just going to bring this up now because it's impossible to talk about this show and not talk about Hamilton. Right. Um, And one of the reasons I think that this show was not successful, which is something I enjoy about it, but is a hard thing for audiences to mm. grok, is that amorphous setting. Mm. The Hamilton is very clearly set in the years that it's set mm -hmm. in. It's just the music is updated. Right. The 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 actors are modern and but like the clothes, the trappings. But that is to contrast with Buddy Bundy Andrew Jackson, wherein they talk about rock and roll mm -hmm. in a whole song. Yeah, like right. jo George Washington tried to be a rock star. Right. And that is anachronistic. Yeah. It's 100% anachronistic. Yeah. And it doesn't try to hide that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it, because it is going for the character expressing themselves in modern ways mm -hmm. to make us understand where they were coming from right. back 
way back when yes. they were doing their thing at the turn of the 19th century. So that's the issue. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of central mm-hmm. problem. And I think for audiences, not all audiences and not all the time, but on a Broadway stage, hmm. people want to know where they are, you know? Yeah. And... Yeah. Or they want to be having a good time if they don't. And this right. show is not interested in you having no. a, a fun toe-tapping time, even yes. though there are fun toe-tapping numbers in it. It, it That is not the point of right. this show. Yeah. And I think that it was... It, it's it's just not something that everyone's going to grab onto mm-hmm. right away. And right. I think that one of the things that, that... I mean, Lin-Manuel has talked about how he was at the public working on Hamilton while this show was up. And I think he benefited... Hmm. from this show doing its thing oh, interesting. and kind of looked at it and went okay like they they did they, also it wasn't the show he was writing yeah i'm not saying he mm-hmm. was writing the same kind of show right. and then turned around it was just he, seeing this kind of show and mm-hmm. going oh it's very true to its central character yeah it's very the mood is all and one thing he took i mean i don't know if he took from it but he he certainly benefited from is this this the thing they share in common is that everything spirals out from the central character mm-hmm. so that characters are portrayed in relation to the central character mm-hmm. and their point of view is expressed in relation to the central character and so in Hamilton who views himself as a as a as a want to be hero mm-hmm. and a want to be mm-hmm. man with a legacy and a, and a legend yeah. and he's very he has very noble pursuits mm-hmm. um <laughs> Andrew Jackson <laughs> Yeah, he uh, is not, and he in this musical, and you know, I think we can pretty much safely say, without too much fear of retribution, that Andrew Jackson wasn't a good guy, mm-hmm. and um, this musical sort of sets up this. I mean, the very first line of the show is, you know, why did you go out with him? I mean, yeah, it's this very... Right. It's very much, where are we in time? Angsty, where are we in place? But he's like, he's just an angsty, whiny kid. Yeah, right. Um and that's who he is mm-hmm. all the way up through the end of the show yeah. is the same, like, why don't you love me right? Yeah. kind of kid? Yeah. I'll show you. Yeah. I'll do this kind of thing. Yeah. And so the, the, those two problems, the, the anachronistic setting and also the fact that the central character is not somebody mm-hmm. that you want to feel good about mm-hmm. makes a tough sled for a Broadway it, ha- it audience specifically. Yes. And uh, we should say that the show was much more successful at the public theater. And also has been regionally. I mean, yeah. it's a show that when it became available, mm-hmm. re- regional community uh, and colleges gobbled this yeah. thing up. This this was one of those shows where I think it was like 20, it was right before Hamilton came out. Mm-hmm. It was everywhere right. all of a sudden. Yep. And it, it is that kind of general idea mm-hmm. of like, oh, like this this is the setting for this show. Yeah. And, and, you know, it... Uh, <laughs> after it, its $54 million budget on on Broadway, which the New York Times reported it would close with a loss, which, Ugh. I mean, duh, after you know 120 yeah. performances yeah. is not very no, long no. for that kind of budget. Uh, it is, it's just that kind of, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, you know. That I it, definitely think that it's a hard sell for Broadway. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things that sort of makes me super up on, you know, theater beyond broadway is because you can take more risks Mm -hmm. and you do have these creative superstars like michael friedman who can take risks and do edgier stuff um yeah my parents went and saw this on broadway really yes oh okay my parents see absolutely everything wow yeah good for them yeah they're great but my my dad's a historian so he was yeah i was gonna say this is like it It was interesting my mom was like it was loud it would be loud yeah it was short yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the length with the book. I I don't know. I still don't think. 
You don't it, think it was? It was it one be. act or two? I that I don't know the answer yeah. to. I, oh, I would yeah. speculate it's one act. Mm. I, it feels to me like ninety to hundred minutes. Right? One act. Yeah, that's what I would. Guess. Um, which actually, ironically, I think people like your mother who, are, if they're more traditional Broadway mm-hmm. fans, mm-hmm. don't like the lack of an intermission, mm-hmm. even if the show is super short. There's something about getting up and yeah. and being in the theater right, that the people ritual. enjoy yeah. of about Broadway mm-hmm. Broadway specifically. Yes. And I do as well. I mm-hmm. don't like intermissions. I, I'm yeah. on record mm-hmm. many, many times. But the you know, you're in the theater itself for yeah. such a brief period of time and all Broadway mm-hmm. houses are so cool that it's it's it is a shame to not have fifteen right. minutes just to stand up, sure. look around, yes, see where you are, you know, if you don't especially if you don't live there and and really look at the theater right. because you are you're let in as late as possible mm-hmm. and you are ushered out the minute the show is right. over. So That's this is time. all you've got yeah. in the theater. And I yeah, I do agree that um when I spend my money on a Broadway show, I definitely am paying for well, sort the of the problem. glitz and glamour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want it. Yeah, you're paying a fortune. So yeah. you kind of expect something that you can't get elsewhere. Yes. And I guess you kind that's of expect okay. it to be. I, I think people now especially get disappointed if a show is mm-hmm. short. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those you want you're, you're spending a lot of money mm-hmm. this thing better be three hours it better be my whole night this better be the only yes. thing i'm doing tonight right is this because you can't afford dinner because you can't afford it right <laughs> but like even if you add dinner so it's like a 700 right. or whatever yeah. for, per person it it is like this is my night this is all mm-hmm. i'm doing mm-hmm. you know this is the whole thing so yeah. it should take from eight till 11 right i should be going home after this yes. like i should be tired yes. after this humming a tune and if you walk in and you sit down, and then ninety minutes later, mm-hmm. it's over. It's the same amount right, of money, and it's right. it, it's eight, you know, nine thirty. Yeah, yeah. And everyone else is still in the theater. It's right. just sort of just like yeah, you feel there a little is a, gypped. right. And it is, uh, it is that weird. I, I I think Broadway's probably always been like this, mm-hmm. but I think it's been much more sharply attenuated lately. Mm-hmm. Is this is the stark contrast between Broadway and other every other kind right. of theater where it is so much of the trappings mm-hmm. of what it is mm-hmm. are important to the show's success yeah. or failure. Right. So if you're going to be a hundred minutes with no intermission, you better be come from away is the mm-hmm. sort of like yes. ultimate result of it. You right. better be an unbelievable experience mm-hmm. that like is nothing. I lessons I've seen come from away is, is nothing. I've never seen anything like mm-hmm. it before or since. Right. And I probably never will. I mean, it was just one of the most amazing evenings of mm-hmm. my life. And y- you know, you can't do that every time, but sure. that's sort of what, if you're going to be that shorter show with no intermission, that's what you have to be. You right. have to be the sort of breakneck, right. feel good, ultimately yeah. inspiring, transcendently good show. Mm-hmm. And this show isn't trying no, to do that. And it would it be weird if it be. was, yeah. frankly. Yeah. I also wouldn't have been, I mean, if you're picking Andrew Jackson for your mm-hmm. subject matter. <laughs> um, well, you can, you can think the thing that first of all makes me sad about that is um, if you look at the body of work that Michael uh, Friedman created, yes. this is what he's going to be remembered Absolutely. for. Because it made it to Broadway. Yes. Uh, but he, and because it has an album, I mean, it's an album that this show was popular yeah. as an album, you know, before it made it. Right. To so right. it is like, yes, this is, but this is the work of his yeah. that survives. 100%. Yeah. But there, yeah. there's, so much work that's done by by him or by other sure. you know amazing people in new york that um in my mind is infinitely you know interesting and thought-provoking but it does not get a wide audience and then if those people are going to try to get a wider audience like alex timbers right now has two shows on broadway that are much more commercially oriented right right um you know and that that that's cool and all but i i, I just wish there was a place for more like 
you know, thought provoking. Well, I mean, there is a place for it. It is because it does keep getting done. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does keep going. They just don't run. I mean, it's the sort of like, but people do keep producing these shows. That's true. Um, Like Gary. Like Gary is a good one. Yeah. You see it a lot more with plays with a lot cheaper overhead and and, Mm -hmm. and small, smaller Broadway houses. And they're really getting produced so that they will get produced elsewhere. I right. mean, it is the thing of like, you have to open on Broadway mm-hmm. to say you opened on Broadway yeah. to be eligible for the Tony because that would be, that's tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember the last play that made, I mean, I think The Ferryman did oh, pretty the, well. Um, um, the play that goes wrong? Play that goes wrong, that's true. That's still yeah. running. Yeah. God, that's good. That's funny. God, that's I've good. I've taken my kids to see that twice. I would go, that is, yeah, <laughs> I'd go see, I would it. go see that again in yeah. a heartbeat. Yeah. That is an, oh God, that was a, that was so much fun. Yeah. Um, But, so yeah, though that's a good example. So the play that goes wrong. Mm. But, you know, beyond that, which also did not get nominated for a Tony for best mm. play because we're snobs. Yeah. The, uh, but in any event, so, so that's a whole sidetrack. The, but like the plays that open on in New York really just open in New York to say they've opened in New York so that mm-hmm. the publishers can then, when sure. they get published, they go, oh, you know, fresh from Broadway. And now right. that's where they get the buzz. And that's when the regional theaters want to do it yes. because people have heard of it. And yet it. So mm-hmm. it's part of the grand marketing strategy mm-hmm. of the play itself. Right. Um, and, you know, plays can have a life without opening mm-hmm. on Broadway. That's possible. But like with musicals, it's really like. It's also what we expect from plays. I think we expect, like, like and the play that goes wrong is a great example of this. We expect plays to be Gary or mm-hmm. the Ferryman, mm-hmm. you know, yes. or or is it um, a Slave Play? Is that what just opened? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Opening? yeah. Uh-huh. Um, like, that's what we expect from our yes. plays. And we expect our musicals. To entertain us. To be on the other side. Yeah. And it is that, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so speaking of things that are uh, not entertaining in Andrew Jackson, sure. um, can we talk a little bit about um, some of the problematic issues that are brought up in the play? Yeah, 100% uh, can. Most okay. notably, his, uh, the treatment of Native Americans. Yes, okay, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is all presented as satire, but it's, um, I, it, it's just super upsetting. Have you seen the show? I have not. Okay, no. Okay. Yeah, I have not seen the show. I wish I had. Right. That's fine. Um, That's fine. We'll just stick to the album. That's our. That's our. It's our common ground. Um, Yeah. Well. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yes. And I know the show garnered complaints at the time um, because of its portrayal of um, of of Native Americans, and um, it, it is that. I I don't. I mean, I don't know enough about either the the concerns or the 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 current climate and thinking to speak on it with too much mm-hmm. with effort but i will say that uh well i have what do you think i mean what do you think i have an so, opinion about it but i would like to know what you think about it so i i think that that is where they focus the show on there were a lot of different issues they could have focused andrew jackson's life on and they chose to focus sure. on his treatment of native americans and which is the most it is it's what sort of resonates. it's what he's remembered for yes, in a lot of ways it's in the what resonates sense. today with yeah. us that um yeah he basically Though the bank war is pretty interesting too right yeah yeah my but that, opinion, that, but that yes, gets not as much that's not as that's sexy harder as, yeah that's yeah. harder to put into a musical sure although hamilton did it hamilton did it yes but that was <laughs> uh, literally his job so right that's yeah the, that's the other yeah right. um so there's one song in particular in this show called 10 little indians yeah and that song just ooh Little Indians standing in a line One got executed, then there were nine Nine little Indians haven't long to wait One got syphilis, and then there were eight Eight little Indians 
Indians trying to get to heaven. One found Jesus, and then there were seven. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. It, it's basically a riff off of the children's rhyme, which I forgot existed. One little, two little, three little, little Indians. Indians. Yeah. Do you remember that? Well, and a combination of that and ten little ladybugs. Because oh, it's ten know, little ladybugs know. sitting on a vine, along okay. came a breeze, and then there were nine little ladybugs oh, sitting on the... You know, I didn't here. even get yes, that. Yes, well, I have, okay. I've got two-year-olds. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of those little, like, count, just countdown mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, it's a it's an amalgam of those. Yeah. Well, and also the Agatha Christie play, of course, right. Ten Little yes. Ladybugs. Um, yeah. Which is one I do not know. I only know by title and because it was in that episode of Frasier. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I don't. It, it. I, I'm gonna guess about the play. It takes place in one room, and somebody dies, and all the suspects are there, and they're trapped in the house, right. and then another person dies at the end of Act Two, and then they figure it out, and it's that, dramatic that's and a wonderful. Safe guess. God, yeah. I love Agatha Christie. <laughs> uh, but yes, it is a. It's also an interesting song, for me because it's a perfect example of the sort of. It's not atonal. I guess it's just the emo nature mm-hmm. of it all, mm-hmm. where like melody. Is really not our primary concern, here. right? Yeah, rhyming can go up. No, it is. Yeah. It is all about the emotion of the music yes. and the and the very clear lyrical intent. Like right. the lyrics are very, very clear, very easy to mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. And that song in particular is the first song on the album, really, where you're just like, I don't like listening to this. Well, sure. I mean, I think it's totally designed to make you feel uncomfortable. Right. You know, it starts with these discordant chords, you know, slammed on the piano. And then as the, you know, people are dying in the song, it escalates and other instruments come in. And by the end, you're just like, oh, man. Two little Indians playing with a gun. One got shot. So this is where I go down the I admire it. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I really admire the and I think in in the show mm-hmm. I would love it. Mm-hmm. I think if I was watching the show, mm-hmm. I would I would really, really enjoy it. Okay. But it's one of those things you on the just album. Put it on and I skip down the it block. No, if it came up, it oh, would really? get skipped hundred okay. percent. Um okay. what what's your favorite song on this album? Uh it's my show, Nicole. Um <laughs> the uh well, my actually, we'll get to my favorite song in a second, okay. and it'll be I'm I will reveal how basic I am, but um, which maybe you know it now that I've said mm. that. But um, the uh, what I was going to say about the 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 portrayal of of the Native Americans and the song Ten Little Indians is it's an interesting example of the problem of fully committing to your premise mm. because, as I said before, everyone in this show is presented through Andrew Jackson's lens, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and oh, Andrew Jackson. Song. Did not yeah. like Native Americans. Uh-huh. He didn't care about Native yeah. Americans. Like he viewed them obviously as less than human. Right. So if he was going to write a song that about it, it would be this. Yeah. this it, they'd be pre- presented in satirical and right. patronizing ways, and yeah. they would be just dis- because that's what he thought of them. Right. And it's a terrible problem 
staging something mm-hmm. like that because mm-hmm. if you do it correctly, everyone's going to get mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. justifiably so. It's supposed to make you mad. Right. And it's supposed to make you upset. Um, because he did horrifying things mm. very dismissively. Yes. You know, I yes. mean, was he the Trail of Tears? Yes. He was, he right? Yeah. Was, yeah. So, I mean, come on, mm. gang. You know, that's right. Because that comes up in the show, too. Mm-hmm. It's a, He kicked all the Native Americans out of Florida, mm-hmm. right? And that's where the people moved yes. there. And yeah. not only, this is, I think, the most punk rock thing in the show. Not only did he... Um, so he was told by whoever was the president at the time, Madison or Monroe, to go to Florida and um, stop uh, incursions by Native Americans that were coming up from Florida into right. Georgia. So that was his job. Instead, he took over. It was a Spanish territory. And he right. went in and got kicked out the Spanish and wrote back and said, OK, guys, I got it. It's ours right. It's now. mine now. <laughs> and then he became the governor. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> completely morally unethical and ambiguous, but super punk rock. Yes, which is the, and that's the funny thing about, though, again, the character of Andrew Jackson is, and the personage of Andrew Jackson, is there's something that's very, if you say it like the way you said it, (laughs) it's like, yeah, like, it's pretty big. And then there's also the other side of it is like, I'm sorry, what did he do? Right, (laughs) right. He did what exactly? And I'm not saying that I think that this was a good thing to do. Right. But throughout history, there have been people who have thought he was a great president. There are people who continue to think that, though I don't think they really have any idea what they're talking about. He is on the $20 bill. The Democratic Party for for decades had a a Jackson dinner. Yeah, the Jefferson Jackson dinner every year. Right. Um, The two, yeah, that that always struck me as horrifyingly ironic because there couldn't be two historical figures in the first, like, ten presidents uh, who were less in line with the current Democratic Party than Andrew Jackson and Thomas Jefferson for crying out, who would be Republicans today. I mean, that's that's who they are, essentially. Um, I do appreciate the fact that that Jackson hated having a central bank and him being on money, he would have hated that. Mm -hmm. So that makes me happy. (laughs) That having been said, I can't wait to get him off the $20 bill. Um, So, yeah, but like, it is this terrible, terrible problem. And I, I really do admire the fact that they were like, I would really rather watch somebody fully commit to a premise and mm-hmm. take it all the way mm-hmm. to the end mm-hmm. than kind of avoid. Because the other yeah. the other option is to try to present. Like, I don't know. It's such a complicated issue, mm-hmm. and the show isn't really interested in details. Right. Partially because Jackson wasn't interested right. in details. Yeah. You know what I mean? He sort of throws things around yeah, and tosses sure. things away, and you know his whole his whole family dies of cholera at the mm-hmm. beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. It's given like four lines in a song that gets repeated but like it's not you know hamilton's mother dying is like Uh is several songs spread out you know what i mean it's a seminal moment in his life and it's spread out throughout the thing his whole family dies of cholera right and he's just like "Mm." you know he just gets which is his response to it basically Uh i mean it's a very like whatever kind of i don't give you know i see it more as that setting him up kind of in the way that hamilton you know the loss of his family also set him up as Where, I mean, Hamilton's much more of a, you know, graspable hero, but Mm -hmm. Andrew Jackson sort of had the same journey where he lost everything young and had to make, you know, and built it all by himself. Granted, you know, his version of building it was acquiring 300 slaves and slaughtering Mm -hmm. thousands of Indians, uh, Native Americans. Um, But, yeah. He's a hard character. I mean, it's the thing. It's like when you tackle a character like this. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that the decision, it seems to me the decision was made to just be like, well, I'm not, in, I'm just, we're just going to make you feel mm. like, tr- like the way Andrew Jackson mm-hmm. 
felt. Mm-hmm. We're just going to represent his point of view and his emotional point of view yeah. on this stage. And you will dislike it because mm-hmm. it is very dislikable. Right. And that's it. Like, that's sort of the... They're, they're basically... Whereas I think that show, shows like, like more traditional historical shows will try to sort of present a slice of history Mm -hmm. this is much more like this is how this guy became president Mm -hmm. and this was his emotional journey Mm -hmm. towards the presidency Mm -hmm. with a few facts you know and factual moments thrown in here for context but like basically all of the facts only go to are presented in such a way to reinforce how jackson Mm -hmm. felt which is why i say like he presents the death of his family as a self, like a pull yourself up by the bootstraps mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. but it, he's he's using it so overtly. Mm-hmm. That's why it just gets it's, it's just like mm-hmm. those same four lines over and over again. It's just yeah. the fact of like, okay. oh, they all died, or they all okay. died, or they died. Yeah. No, like this person was special to me. This person uh-huh. was special to me. It's like family yeah. died. Indian, you know, Native Americans <laughs> out. Move Slaves on. have. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And okay, so this brings up another, which I think is if there's anything that you can grasp to sort of admire about Andrew Jackson is the way he felt about his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a very sweet relationship. Sure. And, and the funny thing is the way that we currently view him versus the way he was viewed in his era. In his era, the, you know, owning slaves, slaughtering Native Americans, that's all fine. But right. he married a woman who had already been married. I know. Ew. Right. Scandal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the big scandal. It's pretty funny. Right? Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Um, but he loved this woman. They, you know, everything seems to indicate they had a you know very odd but also beautiful relationship um and then her loss right after he was elected president was yeah you know just sort of in line with these crushing blows that he experienced through his life and then set him up for i forget which song it is um where he's basically like okay screw it i don't have my wife i don't have Mm -hmm. my family i don't have anything i'm coming for you america right um and there's especially the song Rockstar. I'm not sure if that's the one right after his wife dies, but that's the song where he kind of achieves his pinnacle of, um, you know, he has done all of this stuff and he is going to be the president. And uh, a lot of the lyrics are basically like, you know, there will be blood. Yes. I'm coming, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Ladies and gentlemen, Governor Andrew Jackson. Yeah. That's right, motherfuckers. Jackson's back. One, two, three, John Adams tried to be an American idol. Jefferson tried to be a rock star. Madison tried to make the presidency vital. And James Monroe was a douchebag. The story always ends the same. It's hard to handle all that fame. You don't really have it in you. There's no place in democracy. We are a brand of aristocracy. Take that shit back to Virginia. Why don't you just shoot me in the head? Cause you know I'd be better off dead If there's really no place in America For a celebrity of the first rank Another show that I always say I'm thinking about it a lot Because it's also playing in town right now But like a show that this brings up for me is Assassins um, Which is obviously dealing with very, very different, Mm. very, very different ideas Mm -hmm. And and many people instead of just one Mm. And many different kinds of people and trying to find similarities between them. But it is also that same kind Mm of dark and also dark comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, And the American propensity for violence. Yeah. You know, we like our guns. Um, The, I, I I was actually last night thinking about the song from assassins unworthy of your love, Mm -hmm. that that's sort of the 
weirdest love song Mm -hmm. but then the song in here could give it a run for its money uh the love song they sing illness as a metaphor oh my gosh (laughs) a A wise woman once wrote that illness is not metaphor so why do i feel sick when i look at you There is this illness in me and I need to get it out So when I bleed It's not blood, it's a metaphor for love These aren't fates, just the beating of my heart This fever isn't real and represents how I feel My pain transformed into art so, so they meet. Andrew Jackson meets his wife for the first time. I think in the show he was, you know, in a bar fight or something. So he's bleeding on the floor and she comes and, you know, hearts come out of their eyeballs. Right. But what do they sing about? It's this weird song that's a metaphor for a... It's a Susan Sontag novel. Illness is a metaphor. So the whole song is these metaphorical references to this Susan Sontag novel about being bathed in blood and sickness and death and that's their love song for people who are going wait is susan sontag who i think she is yes she is yes yes the 20th century writer (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's the moment where the show you know another show that this this really reminds me of um both in concept and in score is spring awakening Mm -hmm. um and i actually like this better than spring awakening Mm -hmm. Um, and this is the song specifically mm-hmm. where I'm just like, oh, we're doing sp-. like this really feels mm-hmm. almost like a Spring Awakening parody song mm-hmm. where it is just like the most emo. And be- I mean, it's funny to write a song called Illness is a Metaphor that then goes ahead and belabors a metaphor until right. it's unrecognizable. Yeah. And by the end, you have no idea what they're talking yeah. about. It's just it, it's incomprehensible. And the last line is, but Susan Sontag's dead, dead. So I guess right. her illness wasn't metaphorical For- after all. Right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the end. Yeah. And then it just ends. <laughs> right. And it also sort of is dealing with the fact that, like, these people, uh, and Andrew Jackson specifically, don't think about things. Mm-hmm. Like, they really don't think. They're people of action. You yeah. know, it's, I'm a, th- right. I'm an, you know, mm-hmm. there's a time to act and a time to think, and this yes. is no time to think. And that is something that, like you say, he is lauded for mm. in his time and mm-hmm. leads to a great amount of his success like i mean taking over florida is really the, the mm-hmm. uh, an epitome of like screw it i don't mm-hmm. care like yeah. whatever i'll do it mm-hmm. stop you can't stop me <laughs> yeah. um how are you going to stop by the time you find out i'm doing it i'm either dead or it's wor- right? or it worked so like great uh and it's that sort of short-sighted emotional response to yeah. everything um which leads to when they try to think about things, it all just falls apart. Mm. It doesn't hold together because right. they they don't have the they don't have the interest or the language mm-hmm. to create a love song. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, it like it wouldn't. You know what I mean? It. This yeah. show is all like that, where the lyrics hold very very simple ideas mm-hmm. and very very simple moments, yeah. and they never get clever mm. in a in a um in an unrealistic way. Mm-hmm. There are very clever moments in lyrics, especially in, we'll get to it now, my favorite song, which is The Corrupt Bargain, mm-hmm. um, yeah. where the lyrics are clever and funny and witty, but it's a dance hall number. Yes. And it is the people, and the people singing are the intellectual literati. Right, yes. We who, get to see their perspective. Right, who get to see their one, perspective. Yeah. Well, we get to see their perspective through Jackson's uh-huh. perspective. And now, an explanation 
version of the corrupt bargain, which took place in the back halls of Washington while no one was watching. A scheme to keep the power in the hands of the chosen few. John Quincy Adams says, If my dad was president, I should get to be president too. Henry Clay says, I'll make you president if you make me secretary of state. Alexis de Tocqueville says something in French that none of us can translate. Woo! But then you have songs like Illness is a Metaphor, the saddest song, where uh, like the lyrics are just very dry and straightforward. Yeah, yeah. And I feel that's almost harder to write to make it mm. not sound mm-hmm. boring. We've right. all heard bad lyrics yeah, that are simple. Sure. And you're just like, yeah. you know, yeah. oh my God, like please stop singing. Where this is the other kind. This is the kind where it's like, I feel like he belabored over these lines uh, for oh, a I'm long sure. time to sure. get them to be the right kind yes. of simple on the right. And also... As we say, the the musical style allows him to throw out rhyme and mm-hmm. throw out cadence mm-hmm. even sometimes when yeah. he when he doesn't need yeah. it, um, and that's an advantage that that he set himself with this style. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, then it also works against them because it's sometimes very hard to listen to. Is right. the well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I find, it, I find it fun. To it depends to. on if you like the music or not. I mean, yeah. I think the style, and and that's one of the problems I have also with Spring Awakening. Uh-huh. Is I just don't. I hate to say that I don't like a style mm-hmm. of music um, because then you'll play me a song. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, that's a good song. Right, but, sure. but it is a style of music that does towards. not. Gra- yeah, I do okay. not. I do not gravitate yeah. towards emo, angsty mm-hmm. music, yeah. um, despite the fact being a very angsty teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it just doesn't hmm. it doesn't have any kind of connection for okay. me. And I still to this day. Well, like, there's, I find that my the music that I I gravitate to and that I listen to and that attracts me grabs me with both hands, mm. and the kind that doesn't, I don't mm. even hear it. it mm. It's sort of like people will send me stuff, mm. and I will, it'll just like, I'll listen to it. I will hundred yeah, percent listen, I I but it it just doesn't stick. It does sure. it doesn't hold on. And as a result, I like, I try. It's not even a question of getting older so much as it's just like people send me what's going mm. on, and some of it will grab me, mm. and some of it won't, and I just like I can't. Yeah, I can't quite figure out hmm. what that is. I listen to artists I really like, and they talk about other people they like, and mm-hmm. I go find their stuff on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay. And it doesn't doesn't do anything. Yeah, I for think me. it's harder as you get older because yes, and this is one reason I really like theater because. But this is the way I was when I was young too. I should really, yeah, yeah okay, okay. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, but yes, you're right. I think as we get older. Because the new music, especially in the pop music sphere, it's being made by you know twenty year olds. You're also not as sticky. You're not as like yeah, you're not as right. spongy. You're, you're not you're not you're, you're kind of you forming. Yeah. You you found what you like. Yeah. You like to sit in it a little bit more. Right. And the bad side of that is you can get grumpy about mm. it and be like, mm, you know, yeah. these kids today with their rock and roll. But right. there is. I try to stay as spongy as I possibly mm. can, but it is that kind of like it's just some of it doesn't it just yeah. doesn't connect with me. Even and it with doesn't, theater music, musical theater, theater music is different because it is the difference between a theater song and a pop song is 
is something that actually again that Sondheim said often that he can't write pop music and he can mm-hmm. only write theater music mm-hmm. and I never really understood what that meant until mm-hmm. I started writing theater music mm-hmm. and then went oh that's the difference is the like there's so much more to hold on to mm-hmm. than simply the music and the lyrics there's a character under there there's a, there's sure. something something is being yes. expressed and that attenuates my ear in a certain way mm-hmm. to be like well what is the character doing mm-hmm. what is the scene doing it's like listening to a monologue you know mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways uh, or or a scene or a dialogue scene um more than just like listening to the radio which yeah. is partially god listening to the radio how old am i <laughs> the yeah, um like does anyone A-track. does anyone still wear a hat the uh, it's meant you know to sort of exist to be and to yes. exist and to be listened to but also just to sort of fill the air right. and it, it's it could mean nothing or it could mm-hmm. mean something one of my girl's favorite songs right now and there too is the one direction song is it called beautiful or that's yeah, what makes you beautiful? I know that song. Yeah. I they love it. Too. They absolutely love it. Huh. And it's cute cuz they're two, yeah. but like aside from the 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 sort of lack of any kind of melody in that song, it's mm-hmm. got like a one note melody. Mm-hmm. It is the like the lyrics are super problematic to me. So I'm I'm like I'm <laughs> you're like the, that's fine you're for the downer dad. I really I am. I 100% am. Them, yeah. Well, yeah, I have a I have a pretty good line. I I think uh-huh. where it's like I read an article about that was the Megan Trainer song um all about that bass. Yes. About how it was a bad like uh, an analysis of it that it was a bad song because it still was through oh. the male gaze. Oh. And that was interesting. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah. that's that's uh-huh. interesting. But I still like, as a dad, would not have a problem with my right. kids loving yeah, that I think song. It's still a step forward. Yes, from exactly right. Look at me, it doesn't go all the way. Yeah. And and I, I I am a big advocate of don't let the the perfect be the enemy mm-hmm. of the good. And like, as one song, it's mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know her body of work. I'm not here mm-hmm. to talk about Megan Trainer. I'm shocked <laughs> I know her name and how to spell it. But the there are those songs about like. I mean, the, the line in, in the stupid One Direction song of being like, you don't know you're beautiful, that's what makes you beautiful. I'm yeah. like, do we all not understand what a like cultural Ouroboros that is? Yeah. You yeah. know, like that's, that that is terrible. That is a <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible thing to, to, to put upon a child, to put upon anybody. Yes. I mean, it's, it's unachievable, it's unattainable, and it's also boring. Yeah. So like, yes. These are speeches I will give my so kids when they're really older. It's going to be fun to listen to. I will be 100%. Oh, it'll be so yeah. fun. Um, but, but it's important. I mean, I really like I wouldn't I'm not going to get on anybody about what they're wearing and all that. Like uh, that doesn't bother me yeah, as much as yeah. the media you're consuming yes. and how it is working on you in a way that you are not aware of. Mm-hmm. Like I don't give it like a lot mm-hmm. of the other stuff that like my my parents and other people's parents mm-hmm. like get up about does not bother me yeah. as much as the like listen to what you're listening to like mm-hmm. really right. know what you're listening right. to. I well, don't care I think, what you like as long yeah. as you're thinking about it. I think that's why it's such a gift. Um that my mom gave me, which was introducing me to musical theater as a child, because it is the kind of thing that if you encounter it as an adult, it's just kind of weird and singy dancey. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know a lot of people who picked it up on their own as adults and said, guess what? I love theater hmm. until Hamilton came out. You know, sure. Everybody loved Hamilton. But, right. other th- but, but that's different. I it's... even had friends who came up to me who were like, hey, I think I like musical theater, almost like a confession. And then they'd say, what else should I listen to? I'd be like, oh, go well, listen to Hello, I, Dolly, or something. And they'd be like, yeah, no, I don't yeah, like, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you listen to Maybe after I just you listen like to Hamilton? Hamilton. Yeah, I Which is fine. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't begrudge those people anything. No. Um, hopefully but, their kids will then mm-hmm. seek out. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I don't know anyone who came. That's a good point, mm-hmm. that came to musical theater specifically. It's a tricky, it's not for everybody. Yeah. And I don't think it should be for mm-hmm. everybody. Like, I, I really don't. 
not everybody has to like everything. It no. doesn't really bother me. Um, I as long as again, but the, to me, the big thing is is like as long as you're thinking about it, mm-hmm. as long as you've looked at it, you've thought about it, and you kind of are not. You're not just rejecting it out mm-hmm. of hand. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, mm-hmm. which is why I don't like saying things like I don't like emo music. I don't like country mm-hmm. music. I don't like this. There's there's something in in it all that I that I enjoy, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um I actually saw a YouTube video as I was doing some research for this of Michael Friedman talking about another show he wrote called The Fortress of Solitude, which mm-hmm. also played at the Public Theater, and that's based on a novel. And the novel apparently is all about pop music. And so he was Hmm. talking about trying to translate a novel about pop music into the musical theater medium and have the music sort of straddle that line between pop and and lots of different styles of pop um, and musical theater. And, And it was a really interesting. I mean, this guy was a deep thinker. Oh, yeah. That's why I say like the lyrics are simple, but um, I'm confident that every line is Mm -hmm. in there for a reason. Oh, sure. 100%. Deeply thought out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it is, yes, that is a thousand percent true. And his, his own, he is a tremendous loss. Oh, yeah. One that doesn't get felt as hard, I think because he didn't like, as you say, like Bloody Buddy Andrew Jackson is a show Mm -hmm. music theater people know. Right. But, it was not a huge smash. It didn't, it also, I mean, it it just, you know, didn't, oh, he was alive when it opened. It was mm-hmm. that kind of like, he didn't die yeah. and then it opened. It wasn't the yeah. Jonathan Larson but it's effect. De- it's definitely, but his, I think, he is a loss the biggest the... loss since Jonathan Larson. I would say so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I would hope somebody would do something like at 54 Below, they recently put together, you know, the big Jonathan Larson, you know, yeah. getting, mm-hmm. I wish somebody would do something like that for Michael Friedman. He does have a body of work. I mean, mm-hmm. there is the good, the, the, the benefit of, like mm-hmm. you say, he has a couple shows yeah. that have been done and, and are available mm-hmm. and can be done. So mm-hmm. there is a body of work to, yeah. to seek out for that. And, and to bring it to the current times, sure. I mean, he passed away right after the election of 2016. Um, and he was apparently working on, he, he worked with a group called the Civilians. Yes. He was one of their founding um, associates. And he was working on something that was collecting... Um, I think texts or tweets about the election and trying to write a musical about it. Um, and I just feel somebody, somebody someday is going to write a musical about Donald Trump. Yes. And, and how great would it have been to have his perspective? That would have been fun. This, you know? Yeah. He would have been so good. The oh. key, the key sentence though, the key word in that sentence to me though is someday. Uh-huh. Cause it's just, yeah, it's too raw. It's all happening yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> that's what pop music is for. Right. Like to me, that's the, like that's what recording artists who are the sort of, should you know mm. the poets of our time mm-hmm. should be focusing yeah. on you know and even playwrights but there's something about it takes a musical mm-hmm. many 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 mm. years to get to the point where anybody anybody's seeing yeah. it and so if you started writing it today mm-hmm. i mean the 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 news and the mood change by the right. moment so yes. i think i feel like probably there are a lot of people writing these shows honestly right after the election who quit about yeah. a year in just to mm. be like it's the I can't keep up. Yeah, well, you just need some distance from it. <laughs> yeah. You need to step and kind of... And I think it's also why you see a lot more shows being revived, as we mm-hmm. say, in the Trump era. Mm-hmm. And there's people calling for like, can we look at Cabaret mm-hmm. now? Like, right. what would that look yes. like now? And of course, it's at only right now. But yeah. like, and Assassins mm-hmm. now, like, what does that make us yes. feel like right now? And that's much more of like, how is this art that we know, mm-hmm. these musicals that we know, how do they play yes. going forward? And how can we filter it through the lens of what we're going through now? So I have um, a theory about cats. Okay. And this is to bring this conversation back to the political sphere. Sure. Ooh, okay. Interesting. And this could be completely off base. Uh-huh. But my feeling about cats is that it was the perfect musical for the 1980s. 
Yeah. It was like the perfect Reagan Thatcher era musical where yuppies were reigning. Everyone was like pop music was superficial. Everyone just kind of we were in a good place. You know, there were no wars going on and everyone just wanted light entertainment. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was. It was the perfect light entertainment. And it was something we'd never seen before. So people were flocking to it. So it was like, you know, in the 80s, you had if you were anybody, you had to go see cats, Mm -hmm. you know, it was uh, the thing to do. And nowadays, we're in such a different place. Mm -hmm. The mindset of the world is, you know, there's so much going on that we're trying to process that who has time to watch dancing cats? You know, (laughs) like, what the hell is that? That's funny. Cats was the first musical I saw on Broadway. Okay. As a kid. Um, and I loved it. And I have memories of laying in the backseat of my parents' car listening to Cats over and over. I have the mm-hmm. whole thing memorized. So I was so excited when it came back to Broadway and I could take my kids. Sure. I took my kids. They were so bored. They could. And my kids love theater. Mm-hmm. My kids, I took them to Les Miserables when it came here to the National Theater. They were mesmerized. They were They were asking me questions about, you know, French history. Mm-hmm. Um they thought Cats was the dumbest thing. Yeah. The other thing I will say about that production when I saw it on Broadway, it's the only production I've ever seen where I thought that the lighting design choices just ruined it for me mm. because they were in the dark the whole time. Mm-hmm. And even when there was, you know, a solo dancer, they were not in a spotlight. And it was so confusing. Mm. I don't know why. Lighting design drought drove me crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Well, yeah. that be, that's because you see a lot of theater. I do. I you guess, absolutely yeah. see a lot and of And I'm thinking about the different critical elements. Um, How does that affect mm-hmm. you? It depends on why you're there. If you're there to write about it, mm-hmm. then, you know, I've got all my antennas up and I'm thinking critically and looking out for certain things. It's definitely fun to go to a show sometimes and not be critiquing it because um, you can just sort of relax and sure. not and just get lost in it. Uh, other times, like I saw um, To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway three weeks ago mm. and ugh, I was just there with my family. You know, someone came in from out of town and wanted to see it. Um and as I was watching it, I was just like, oh, I want to write about this. There's so much there. I want to write about it. Um, and I could, you know, but right. I, I, I haven't had the time. Um, it is coming to D.C., so so I might. Oh, um, but I feel like I'm kind of – I've only been doing this for about four years. So I feel like I got into this sort of as a second career, as a way – in the past, I was kind of like, there's so many different ways to see the world and different things to do things. And I couldn't settle on one. Now that I'm more mature and settled, I feel like I am choosing to see the world through the lens of theater mm-hmm. and theater development, and the creation of theater. And I'm just so fascinated by the whole process of it that I feel like, you know, someday I'll probably get to that point where I'm, you know, uh, like, right. like you, like, you know, everything that's going to happen, but I still feel like I'm learning it. Um, hmm. Like this summer, I got to go to the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center for mm-hmm. two weeks for right. the National Critics Institute. And that was just uh, an amazing, amazing experience that I recommend any writer of um, theater criticism should should do. Um, but we were there with um, they bring in four shows of musicals that they're developing and four plays that they're developing and we're all there together. So we're sort of watching this development process happen. And for me, that was just insanely Mm. insightful to see these, like Lauren Gunderson was there putting, you know, putting a new show together. Jessica Vosk was there, right? Yes. They're there working on a show about Jeanette Rankin, the first female congresswoman from Montana. Um, And this is also another very sort of Hamilton inspired show. She's Mm -hmm. working on it with um, Ari uh, Afsar who mm-hmm. was 
in the original Chicago cast of Hamilton and sort of got the idea there to write something like Hamilton but oh, okay. from a female perspective. Um, so it, you can definitely see the influence of Hamilton in it. But there were tons of other shows, too, um, that and you got to talk to the playwrights and you would sit down for lunch. There was just one big cafeteria where mm -hmm. all of the people there were together. So you'd sit down next to somebody and it would end up being the scenic designer from the play that we had just seen the night before that we were writing about. And then you got to sort of say, you know, OK, well, why did you make this choice? Mm -hmm. why? And I just all that stuff just makes oh, me great. I love it. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm learning so much and I'm, you know, like a sponge sucking it in and um, hoping to be able to, you know, write stuff that illuminates it and puts it back out to the general population so that people will maybe want to go see the stuff and you know <laughs> that'd be nice <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no i feel very um grateful to um to be in the position that i am now at dc metro theater arts mm -hmm. um, we talked a lot at this um camp about you know the future of arts journalism and how there's just so much shift going on right now in journalism in general yeah. and you know mainstream journalistic outlets are reducing their arts coverage and um you know i don't think anyone has come up with the secret model of how to make a dedicated arts journalism uh publication work and make money but right. um, the yeah the second part of that <laughs> sentence is important yeah. and make money That's i mean the it's part. tough but sure. I love being able to do it for now. And um, I love the DC arts community and I love being able to, um, you know, be a part of it in this way. So DC Metro Theater Arts. Yes. The website is dcmetrotheaterarts.com. It is. It's available on Twitter. They're all a little different, right? All the hand what, what are the uh, handles? For... Everything's dcmetrotheaterarts.com except Twitter is dcmtheaterarts.com. I think Twitter is DCM Theater Arts at DCM yeah, Theater Arts yeah. and uh, Facebook is DC Metro Theater Arts, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. that's the and page Instagram. for that. And Instagram. We have a, and a Instagram thriving right. Instagram Yes, you account. do. Yes. Yes, um, with some great takeovers if you're in Yeah, yes, we do a lot. Oh, actually, one takeovers. of our most recent takeovers was Jeff Hiller, who played John Quincy Adams in Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson oh on Broadway. Yeah. Well, there you go. He was in town doing a one-man show at Studio Theater called Bright Colors and Bold Patterns. Mm-hmm. And he did a hilarious. Great. He's a funny guy to follow oh, on Instagram. Go. Yeah, All he right. took over our account for a day. Um, yeah, and we do cover a lot of New York theater too. We yes. do a lot of smaller shows there, yes. which um, people really seem to appreciate because mm -hmm. I think a lot of the smaller off Broadway and off off Broadway shows don't get as much obviously coverage obviously, as the Broadway. Yeah. yeah so um, with so many of them. Yeah. Such... Yeah. So yeah. So DC and New York. That's, Great. That's where we are. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you so much, you, Nicole. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Original Cast Pod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on all platforms at Unknown Penguin. Enjoying yourself? Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell the world. You can also find the original cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and wherever fine podcasts are available. My thanks to Nicole Hertwig for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. I'm